Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. So I get to introduce myself, which is great because Mark was going to introduce me and now I get to say whatever I want about him instead of him about me, which is great. So I'm Mark's dad, if you didn't know that. And uh, no, seriously, this is a significant year in my life. Uh, So uh, 25 years ago, we planted, I planted, my wife and I planted from scratch Gateway Church. And uh, we love church planting. That's that's the common link Mark and I have. Uh, We just love church planting because we love to see people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. And, and so, you know, I was talking to Mark uh, back there before everybody came in and, and he was going to introduce me as the grandfather, not the father of Movement Church, but the grandfather of Movement Church. So he's, he's dad. Um, so really, uh, my connection to you guys, it goes deep and goes long. As long as you guys have been around, I've been praying for and, and uh, working and serving with and through you in many years of your existence. You guys supported me as a missionary, so thank you very much for that. And it's funny how as you get older in life, I said this is a significant year, 25th anniversary of Gateway Church and number 60 for me. I know you thought I was 40, Um, but I'm 60 years old, and it's crazy because in December, I will have eight grandchildren, and so it's really fun. And, uh, you know, so Stephanie, it's really great when you're a grandfather because you don't have to do anything except love on the kids, give them candy, make them really riled up and everything else, and then give them back to their parents, and it's awesome. Um, But really, it's a joy to be here with you guys today. Um, I'm sure that all of you like me love to wait. I'm sure all of you are, are going through circumstances in life where um, you really have enjoyed those moments of circumstances where you're suffering, right? Um, I, do you know that a lot of your life, most of your life, it seems, we spend waiting? James is this book that's, that's great because it's probably the most practical book in all of Scripture, And this is what it says, a lot of your life, you're going to spend time waiting. That's James chapter 5. You can turn there if you want to. That's kind of where we're going to unpack the pages of Scripture this morning, verses 7 to 12. So as a little kid, I wanted all of my life to start school. And then I couldn't wait to get out of school. And then I couldn't wait to fall in love. And then I couldn't wait to get married. And then I couldn't wait to have kids. And then I couldn't wait to have grandkids. We spend so much of our lives waiting, and it's true. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. And I don't, I, don't follow me in the grocery line. I'm like, as I'm approaching the lines, I'm, I'm assessing and I'm determining which one's going to be the fastest, and I never pick the right one. It's like, I always get that jerk in front of me that's like, really? Um, you weren't prepared. You forgot whatever it was that you needed to pay with. And, and it's like, then they got to call the manager and I'm waiting and I'm frustrated because I hate waiting. I'm the most impatient person that you have ever met. 
And I'm thinking about restaurants. I don't like to wait at restaurants either. You know, being little, so I, I'm, I'm sure if you didn't realize that already. Um, you know, we, we learn how to navigate and, and we don't wait much. We, we know how to get through the lines because we're small. We just kind of ease our way in and so forth. And, and so I do that often in restaurants and, and probably tick people off. But now I'm finally sitting. But do you, have you realized this about restaurants? The more expensive the restaurant is, the more you wait. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this. There are literally five different waits at a restaurant. You wait to get a seat, and then you wait to get a menu, and then you wait to order, and then you wait to get food, and then you wait for the bill. And then they have the audacity to call that guy or that girl the waiter. I'm the one that waited. <laughs> and it's a little frustrating to me. So today, seriously, we're, gonna, we're just going to look at what James has to say in the most practical way, how to develop patience in suffering. I don't know what you're going through, but I know you're going through something. And if you're not going through something now, you're going to go through something. Okay, because suffering comes to all of us. This past year, I lost my mom. Um, and, and that was hard. And I watched my dad as he realized that his love would no longer be with him. And then I realized that my dad was not healthy either. And he's got a heart condition and he's in five stage um, liver failure, and he's now doing dialysis, and there are hard circumstances of life, right? Whether it's Stephanie watching uh, a 21-month-old uh, baby or us watching our parents age out and die and go to heaven, hopefully. My mom is in heaven, by the way. Do you know, James uses the word patience or perseverance six times in this passage. Three different illustrations that he's going to give us that is going to help us learn, teach us when to be patient, why we need to be patient, and how to be patient. So let's dive in. When should I be patient? James isn't saying we have to be patient at all times, but there are special times, specific times, where we do need to exercise patience or perseverance. It says, number one, when circumstances are uncontrollable. You do realize that a lot of life hits you, and, and, and there are uncontrollable circumstances in life. You figure out by now, I'm sure, that a lot of your life is beyond your control. You thought you were a control freak. You thought you were in control until the circumstances of real life hit you between the eyes, and you go, wow, I had no control over that. You can't keep your thumb on everything. You'd like to be in charge of everything, but you know, if you've lived a few years, that you're not in control of everything. And that's why James uses the first illustration of a farmer. I'm talking to Chris um, today and, and about this, like, I don't know why these guys like goats and chickens, but they're, so they're, they're like the grandmaster. And it's like, so that's good. What is that? Uh, grandmaster is like the top, the, the winner and give them up. They got the grandmaster goat. I think, right? Yeah. I can't see you. So I'm, I'm assuming you're saying yes. Um, so they got the grandmaster goat. And, and, and I said, so is Hilliard, you know, farming ignorant or is it still a farming community? Because um, there seems to be a lot of farms. So I'm going to assume that you know something about farming, which is great because that's the illustration that James chooses to start with. He says, verse 7, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. 
See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is. I think it's fair to say that if you don't have any patience, then you should not be a farmer. Because one of the key job descriptions for being a farmer is to be patient. You're waiting constantly, it seems, right? You're waiting to till. You're waiting to plant. You're waiting to prune and harvest. There are so many factors in your waiting experience, and yet the factors of waiting really consists of several things. And the farmer has so much going on, and yet there is so much that is outside of his control. You could think of this through me. If we were whiteboarding, you would name them all probably, right? What's outside of the farmer's control? Weather, right? Rain, heat, the economy, labor practices. In today's economy, people who are willing to actually go out and work, you know, because they'd rather collect an income from the government, And and so these things are out of his control. It takes patience to be a farmer. Have you ever noticed that even when we realize that we're not in control, we still try to control it? Even when we realize that we're not in control, we still try to control it. How do we do that? By worrying. We try to control the circumstances that are outside of our control by worrying. And when we worry about what we can change, I think it's fair for me to say, that's just dumb. If you can change it, why worry about it? Just change it. And if you worry about something that you can't change, that's useless. So why worry? Either way, we should not Worry. We need to have patience in uncontrollable circumstances. Second, we need to be patient when people are unchangeable. I don't know about you, but my wife don't change. I'm seriously, we've been married for, I should know that number, um, but we've been married for a long time. Um, let's see, 88, 80, yeah, 88, I think. Um, and, and so we've been married a long time, and I'm pretty sure that if it weren't for me, our furniture would still be the same in the same place in the living room because change is not an important factor for her. She doesn't change. She resists change. And, and then she's, God's funny because he, he allowed her to marry me. And I don't, I, I love change. And we're, I'm constantly changing things up. But there are people that don't like to change. And so James understands that and he gives us a new illustration. And he says, as an example of patience in the face of suffering... Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, what was the duty of the prophet? The duty of the prophet was to speak forth the word of the Lord to bring about change. And yet people are a lot resistant to change. And we have to help people change, to bring them back to God to be different in their behavior. Have you ever noticed that people resist change? Do you? Do you resist change? Do you have anybody in your life right now who refuses to change? That's probably frustrating, isn't it? Do you know how difficult it is to live with that kind of person and to interact with that kind of person? Why don't they just change? 
Joyce Lander calls these people irregular people. They're people who only see things their way. They, they, they don't see what can be. They see it their way, and, and, and they're like, just open your eyes to a bigger world, to a better opportunity. Why are you so pessimistic? Why don't you look at, at, at things from an optimistic van, vantage point? James says, have patience with those that are unchangeable. The word patience in the Greek is the word makrothumos. You don't care. But we understand the word, right? Macro, which literally means long. Thermos, which, which literally means heat. Long under the heat. It literally means it takes a long time for you to get hot. You've got a long fuse. I parented four kids. There were times when I needed a long fuse. I needed patience as a parent. And you get the idea what he's trying to say. If you're going to be a successful parent, you have to have a long fuse. You have to have patience. Because sometimes your kids resist and you're trying to form them to be what you want them to be, to, to do what you want to do, and they're going, I don't want to do what you want to do, mom and dad. Well, what do you do? You can fight them, or you can coach them, or you can love them through it, or you can do both. But in whatever choice or uncontrollable circumstance it is, you have to endure patience. Knowing that when we train up our children in the way they should go, in the end, they'll come around, right? That's the prayer of every parent. It's not a promise, it's a principle. So it's tough. The third thing is when problems are unexplainable. How many problems do we face? Every day, this week, you're gonna face problems that are unexplainable. And Job, um, James gives the classic illustration of, I gave it away, Job. Verse 11 You've heard of Job, and if you haven't heard of Job, you're here this morning and you're going, who's Job? I would have said Job. It's Job. He's a, it's a name in the Bible, and the guy was like the wealthiest guy that ever existed on the planet. And he had great perseverance. He's known for his perseverance in the pain of suffering. You thought your day was bad. You thought your life was bad. It's not bad compared to Job's. Job played in the Super Bowl of suffering. He was the MVP and he won the championship. He was the wealthiest man that ever lived. He had everything going for him. And in a two-day period of time, everything that he had, he lost. He went bankrupt. He lost his children to murder. Every, all of his livestock, his farming was burned. Everything he had was gone. And then he acquired this incurable disease, disease that left him suffering in immense pain. He lost everything in every kind of way. One day, after all of that, his wife, whom he has not yet lost, comes to him and says, curse God and die. Now that's a great support system. The one thing that he didn't lose was his nagging wife. It's a bad day for Job. For 37 chapters in the book of Job, Job has no idea why this is happening to him. If anybody could say, why me? It was Job. What did I ever do? I'm faithful. I love you, God. 
did I do to deserve this? And Job recognizes, I wish we would, that life is not fair. And by the way, it isn't, and God never said it would be. So if you're signing up to be a Christian so that God's going to treat you fairly, it's not that God's not going to treat you fairly, but people won't. And life's circumstances won't. You know the Bible says it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Circumstances and suffering is on your roadmap. Some of you are in it, and some of you are going to be in it, but it's inevitable. And so when circumstances are uncontrollable, uncontrollable, when people are unchangeable, and when problems are unexplainable, you really need patience. And let's go to why. Why do I need to be patient in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the suffering? Be patient, it says, verse 8. And stand firm because the Lord is coming and his coming is near. Three times in this passage, (coughs) James says the Lord's coming is near. Jesus is coming back. That is the ultimate proof that God is in control. He holds the keys. He is coming. He has promised his return. He is coming back for his bride. We don't know when, but he is coming. He is in control. Nothing, nothing is going to stop that. The Bible talks more about Jesus' second coming than it does his first coming. And so we should prepare for it. God is in control of history. It's his story, and part of his story is future. He knows the end. And by the way, he's given it to us. We don't, know, we don't need to know everything about the end times, but here's what we do need to know. The reason that we're still here is because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That one day, there will be a day, and he is going to come back, and he is going to receive his bride unto himself. It's called the rapture of the church, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. One day, we're going to be released from this suffering, and we're going to spend eternity in a place where there's no pain and no suffering, but that day isn't now, but it is coming. And the reason the end times is so important is not so that you alone can get your golden ticket to heaven, but I hope you get one, but so that you can invest your life in those that God has placed you to be among, your family and your friends. I call them Frank. Your family and friends, your relationships, your acquaintances, your neighbors, and your classmates and your colleagues. That's why God has you here. Are you effectively reaching out to your Frank? And so why is important, right? Why are we in the middle of all this? Because it's all part of God's story. I love how the Phillips translation talks about this. This is what it says. 
Uh, just look it up and write it down and, and memorize this. This is so good. This is how it describes that verse in the Phillips translation. Resting your hearts on the ultimate certainty. Is that what you're doing in the middle of your storm, in the middle of the circumstance, in the middle of the suffering that you might be going through right now? Resting your hearts on the ultimate certainty. Though a situation may be out of my control, no circumstance, no suffering is out of God's control. And although I can't control everything that happens in my life, I know the one who can. Will I put my trust in God? Somewhere. Trust God, do good. Will I put my trust in God alone? Man, people who don't do that, I don't know how they get through the suffering, through the pain of life. Job persevered. God's timing is perfect. It's never late. Some of you are experiencing a real delay right now, but I want you to know that a delay, a delay in your life does not mean that God is not in control. It never thwarts God's purpose. Sometimes, in fact, God takes us through the storm to give us a platform to serve others who will one day go through the storm. Have you learned that yet? Number two, God's re God rewards patience. This is why. Verse 11, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. The second half of, half of Job's life was more blessed than his first half. The guy like made bank in the first half. And if, if you thought he was like loaded and you know, had everything and he did, now he's got double. God blesses him. He, he just pays him back. God doubles everything that he had. It pays to be patient when we put our trust in the Lord. Your character grows. You get along with people better. You're more happy when you reach your goals. There are a lot of benefits to being patient, and God rewards it. But not just on this side of eternity, the Bible teaches, but on the other side. When you get to heaven, it's, it's not like you just arrive and then, you know, it's like, what do I do when I arrive? Matthew 5 says it this way, Matthew 5, 13 and 14, blessed are you, or if you're King James, blessed are you, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Anybody ever been there? People insult you, persecute you, falsely say things about you, evil things against you because of your relationship with Jesus? Hold on, be patient, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. When people put you down, there's a reward for you. When you have patience through that, there's a reward for you in heaven. It's our natural tendency though, right? When, when people hurt me, I wanna hurt you. That's why they say hurt people, hurt people. 
And it's true. When I want to retaliate, I want to get revenge, I want to get you back. I want to take matters into my own hands. When you come up against me, we're going to get into a, a, a fighting match, whether it's verbally or physically. When you get criticized, what do you want to do? You want to criticize back. If you get insulted, you want to insult back. Revenge and retaliation, it's the natural thing, but it's not the spiritual thing. And in fact, it's the opposite of what James is saying is patience. James says, the next time someone criticizes you, before you strike back, think about, is it worth giving up my reward in heaven? Because if, if I'm patient through the circumstance, the suffering, my reward in heaven is great. Thirdly, because God is going to work things out. You're in it, okay? I, I, want, I want to give you hope today. As you leave here today, I, I want you to know that God is not unaware of your storm. He's not unaware of the circumstance or the suffering. In fact, he's working things out behind the scenes. Things that we don't see, he does see. He's at work because we don't see him. Just because we don't see the work, we should understand that God is at work. This is what it says, verse 11, second part. <coughs> you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. God is working this whole time. The entire time that Job is going through all of this experience, God is at work. A delay does not mean a denial. God is a God of today. We just, we just sang the song, right? He's, he's in the now. But maybe your now is in the suffering. While you're in the suffering, God is not absent. He's working for you and on your behalf while you're in the storm, while you're being patient through the storm. We have to learn a difference, and there's a big difference between no and not yet. But we're not good in that because we now live in the United States of entitlement. I deserve it now. I don't want to wait. I don't deserve suffering. That's for somebody else. I deserve grace. Please, Lord, give me grace through my problems, through my sin, through my struggles, but show your, murder, show, show your justice to those other people who need your justice. I don't want your justice. I only want your mercy. I only want your grace. So give to them justice. Give me grace and mercy. And God's saying, no, you get all of it. And I know exactly what measure of any of those things you might need because I know you. It's frustrating, though when we realize this may be one of the most frustrating things in all of life, at least for me, that I'm in a hurry, always, it seems, and God isn't. Isn't that frustrating? I'm in a hurry. You know, it, it's the number one answer. How you doing? Busy. That means you're in a hurry. Like, you already have your whole day set out, right? You're, gonna, that you're waiting for me to shut up so you can get out of here so you can go home and do whatever's next, and then you got another next, and then you got another next. I was listening to Kristen's story of yesterday to today and all the things that she's got going on. That girl's busy. She's got lots of things going on, right? And, 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 and I'm in a hurry, 
but God isn't. And it's even more frustrating, frustrating to us when we're trying to hurry out of the circumstance, the suffering. Philippians 2.13 says, God is at work within you. Maybe you can't see it, but he is. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things, in all things, God is working. In every circumstance in your life, God is at work. Will we recognize it? So what am I supposed to be doing then while I'm waiting on God? So I, I, I get all of that so far, but now bring it home. Okay, again, three illustrations that he's going to give. Look at them. Um, it's so good how James walks us through this whole process to help us through the storm, through the suffering. One, thanks, I don't like to do this. Wait expectantly. Wait expect. I have to expect a harvest. I have to believe that the harvest is inevitable. Again, think farming. I, I have to know that I'm doing the right thing. I got to stay the course. I've got to persevere. I've got to be patient and do the hard stuff in the messy middle. I've got to be in the messy middle expecting that I'm going to get out of the messy middle at some point and, and, and get the reward, Right? What does a farmer do while he's waiting on God? I'm sure the farmer sits around and binges on Grey's Anatomy or whatever your favorite show is. That was the first show. Before COVID, I had never watched a show. I, I, I lived in a shelter. Um, and then my son-in-law enticed me to sin. And of course, the first show I watch is Grey's Anatomy. It's the longest show on the planet. It was good, by the way. So I'm sure he's not doing that. While he's waiting on the harvest, the farmer is preparing. He's preparing all that needs to be ready, anticipating that there is going to be a day. I've got to make sure my equipment works. I've got to be ready to harvest the plenty. So we wait expectantly. That's what Psalm 135 says. I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for he has promised. I don't know what it is you're going through, but I want you to know God knows, and he's going to provide for you. He's going to help you. His word says so. Maybe to heal a long-term illness. Maybe to give you the child you've been waiting for. Maybe to transform your marriage. It's hurting. You're suffering. It's painful. Maybe to reach your teenage child who wants nothing to do with God. Do you expect him to do what he's capable of doing? Are you believing that he will? Are you praying? Are you preparing for when God does what you're hoping he does? If you do expect God to eventually do it, then prove it. Align your life to that. A lot of times when I'm waiting on God, it's not really true. I'm really not waiting on God. He's waiting on me. He's waiting on me to conform my mind, to change the unchangeable, my mind 
and to conform to the pattern of his world, of his ways. Two, I need to wait quietly. James points out the fact that we have a tendency to run off at the mouth when we're irritated. I don't know, maybe you don't, but I do. When I'm irritated, watch out. And that's what he says, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. Why do I grumble? Right in the middle of not being patient or trying to be patient? Because it's hard to be quiet when I'm frustrated. I want to vent. I'm just sharing with you. And I vomit. That's so helpful, right? When you're frustrated, we want everybody to know about it. We grumble and we mumble and we moan and we complain. Verse 12, above all, my brothers, don't swear. Does waiting ever tempt you to swear? What happens when you get uptight, when you're frustrated, when you don't get your way? Do you wake up in the morning whining or ready to win? Are you a winner or a whiner? It's a perspective. That's why Lamentations, Lamentations is in the Bible for reasons. You know, Lamentations is just lament. Uh, It's great. We We should journal our Lamentations. It's not like God doesn't know what's going on in our minds. Just tell him. So what it says, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Are you suffering? It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Habakkuk says it this way. I know you were probably spending a lot of time this morning in in Habakkuk. This is what it says, chapter 2, verse 3, just so you know, I'm not lying. This is God. These things won't happen right away. Dang. Because I want it when? Now, these things won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. You have to be patient. You have to be expectant. And lastly, you have to wait confidently. Job never lost his confidence in all of what he was doing, in all of what he was going through, in all of his loss. When the outlook is bad, you look up. When the outlook is bad, you look up. Micah 7, 7 says it this way, I will wait confidently for God. up, where do you need to have patience this morning? You have an uncontrollable circumstance right now? 
want you to know God will come alongside of that. You're not alone. My favorite verse in all of the Bible, I write it more to people that I know and love more than any other verse in all of Scripture. Isaiah 31, 13. For I am the Lord your God, who is holding your right hand, saying unto you, fear not, I will help you. Would you pray with me? Would you say this morning, Jesus, I need patience. Help me to wait expectantly to prepare for the answer while I'm waiting, to get ready for it. Help me to act as if it's going to happen. I've lost hope. Help me to hold on and pray expectantly. In the middle of the frustrations, help me to love people. Help me not to displace my anger inappropriately. Help me to wait confidently to be still and to know that you are God and to trust that you're working behind the scenes. Help me to not get nervous and anxious and worried in the middle of the storm, but like the farmer, help me to plant good seeds, expecting a great harvest, knowing that you won't waste our energy. Help me with all of that which is uncontrollable, all of the circumstances that I have no control over. As we close our time, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God is waiting to come back in order to give you a chance to receive him first. Maybe you're sitting here today and the reason that the Lord hasn't returned is for this very moment. That God loves you. And you're going through the storm, but yet you're, you're, you're looking and saying, I don't want anything to do with that, God. If he would allow that storm to come into my life, a holy and a righteous and a good God would never do that. And you're so wrong. A holy and a righteous God loves you unconditionally. And he'll walk you through that storm. And maybe it's this very moment that you will experience hope for the first time in the middle of your storm. And you won't have to go through it alone, but you can go through it with a friend who sticks closer than a brother, who will be your refuge, your strength, your strong tower. And if your need for Jesus this morning and you don't have no relationship with Jesus, then I invite you this morning in the heart of your hearts, from your heart to God's heart, to simply say, God, right now, I need you. I can't bear the suffering anymore. Give me your strength. Give me your hope. I need to have a right relationship with you to walk me through the storm. And if that's the prayer and desire of your heart right now, then I want you to know that if you pray that prayer and you've invited Jesus to come into your life, that you just got transformed from darkness into light, it, from death to life. And I hope that you'll talk to Mark with Jeremy, one of the pastors here, one of the leaders here. Man, this is a great day of celebration. I don't know what your storm is. You can, you can look up. I don't know what your storm is, but I know who is in control. And he will walk you through it. And he loves you. Let's put our faith and trust in him today in the now. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. 
more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.